myself today to see if I still feel I focus on the pain the only thing that's real the needle tears a hole the old familiar sting Try to kill it all away, but I remember everything. What have I become, my sweetest friend? Everyone I know goes away. All right, folks, we're hurting. Day after a big Browns game, and uh, thought we had it there. Thought we had it there for the taking. Uh, Browns played well for spurts of the game, and uh, had a chance to tie it and potentially win it. But uh, such is life as a Cleveland Browns fan. Is um, usually what can go wrong will go wrong. So, uh, but we're here. Post game show. We do this. Win, lose, or draw. Uh, welcome to the Deerfield Gridiron uh, Browns postgame show presented by LOTL. I'm Dan, here back this week with uh, with Steve. Steve, how are you? How you doing? Uh, welcome to my pad. Yeah, we are actually live from North Ridgeville today. We're mm-hmm. at Steve's house uh, doing this recording. We're in Ranger country. That's right. Um, but he, we are here to kind of recap uh, last night's Sunday night football game between the round, Browns and the Rams down at uh, First Energy Stadium. Uh, just, I don't know, Steve, if you just want to kind of give your initial thoughts on, on last night's game. Um, my first thought is that when you are playing against one of the best teams in the league, in this case, uh, one of the teams that was in the Super Bowl last year, 2-0 and coming in, you got to play a complete game. And the Browns didn't do that. They, um, you know, defensively, they played about as well as they've played in a long time. Uh, they got after... Uh, the, Todd Gurley, he didn't do much of anything. They forced turnovers. Jared Goff had two interceptions, even though he, you know, threw a lot of uh, completed balls. He had receivers open in the secondary. I mean, obviously, secondary injuries for the Browns had a lot to do with that. But uh, offensively, they just didn't do enough, and uh, we'll dissect that further as we go along. Yeah, I just I thought it was a weird game. I really did. Obviously, the Browns' offense is struggling to find any sort of rhythm or tempo to start the season, so I think that probably uh, contributed to that. They just seem so disjointed on offense. There's there's no there's no flow. There's no feel. Um, you know, Aaron Donald has a lot to do with that, the way that he was penetrating the Browns' O-line all night. But, um, you know, it was just another example of, you know, Baker just looking skittish in the pocket. Um, you know, he just didn't look comfortable. It, it almost looks like he just doesn't, he doesn't trust the offense that's being called. And he doesn't trust the offensive line. So many times you're see, you you saw Baker, especially last night, just bail on the pocket. And there was a few times where all Baker needed to do was step up into the pocket. It was a it was a well formed uh, pocket around him that he just kind of bailed on. And the very few times that he did actually step up to to throw in the pocket, he was pretty accurate when he did it. I mean, there's a few passes, you know, either uh, Beckham or. Uh, I know a few few to Jarvis. Jarvis had a couple big plays in the fourth quarter. Um, 
that uh, was reminiscent of what we saw last year. But too many times you just saw Baker just abort the play and just roll out to the right. And, uh, you know, he's not having the same type of success as he had last year. And that's really troubling because now this is three games where, yeah, sure, they won the Jets game and they won it handily, but Baker still didn't look like the Baker Mayfield that we know uh, from last year. And I I just think he's, you know, for whatever reason, he's not comfortable and he's not trusting his own line. I really liked when the Browns went to the run-pass option plays. It seemed like those were the few plays where, you know, you're looking off the linebacker or looking off the safety and you're delivering the ball and it's coming out quickly, which, again, Chris Collinsworth kept bringing it up on on the game last night. Whenever Baker was holding the ball for longer than two and a half or three seconds, it, it was over. I mean, right. either Aaron Donald or somebody else was, was getting after him and he yeah. was running for his life. And again, some of that, like you said, was forced because, you know, there were times where he could have stayed in. But, uh, you know, this was always going to be a tough task for the Browns' offensive line uh, going up against maybe the best D-line player in football. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt at all. I I, I do think there's a, there was a combination of that that stat that you were saying that Collinsworth kept talking about was, <clears throat> you know, once you got to 2.5 seconds, <clears throat> it was either Baker, uh, the, it was either the O-line breaking down or Baker was uh, like his internal clock went off. And in, and instead of at 2.5 seconds uh, finding his check down or finding an open receiver at that point, he's like, you know, thinking in his mind, oh, good God, I got to get out of here or I'm going to get pummeled. Do the Browns just not run plays where they have checkdowns? Because it seems to me like there are so many cases where Baker is either running or he's about to get hit and he probably would deliver a pass. There's just nobody in the flat. There's nobody, you know, straight over the middle, five yards deep. Like I'm just not I'm not seeing that play design from, from the Browns right now. And it's it's kind of troubling. Well, a perfect example of that was uh late in the game, uh Browns had third down from their own five yard line. And they run up. They ran a you know they ran a pass play, and it was four verticals from your own five yard line on third down. What are you doing? I mean that seems like a situation where you would run either a a diamond screen to the to the far side or yeah um, or you'd run that uh, drag route going across underneath if you're running everybody else out right. But like, why? I I just don't understand when when through three games or two and a half games at that point, uh, you've seen on film that that your own line can't hold up for these these deep uh, developing routes on third down from your own five yard line. Why are you calling a play that's four verticals? Like they essentially called a hail hail mary play on on third down from their own five yard line. Yeah. When it was, I think it was still third. I think they were winning thirteen to ten at that point. Or it might have been seventeen to thirteen, uh, Rams. So yeah, it was just a weird, weird night offensively. Um, I I don't I don't know what I still don't know what they're trying to accomplish on uh, on offense. I don't know what kind of offense they're trying to be. I don't understand why they're not trying to run the same offense that they ran in the second half of last year when Freddie took over the play calling. Um, they're not. Last year, and I, and I talked about this last week. Um, last year, you'd see the, the the Browns run a lot of uh, big sets, max protect sets, where you'd have two tight ends, uh, you know, close to the line of scrimmage, 
and uh, they would run passing plays out of that. Now you're seeing the Browns go four and five wide almost all the time. They don't have a fullback, so they're they're always running the ball out of the shotgun, which they were very successful with that last night. But um, the Browns they're not they're not running a lot of motions. They're not running misdirection. They're not running. Um, you know, plays that will confuse defenses. They're just kind of lining up and are like, okay, let's run our play. You know, the the Rams offense is very simplistic in the fact that they only run a few packages, but they run six or seven plays off of a certain package. Like if you if you watched last night, they pretty much ran the same play most of the night. It was that stretch zone uh, blocking where he would either hand it off to Todd Gurley or he'd play action off of that, or they would run a jet sweep off of that. You know, just some, it's just different wrinkles within the same uh, formation. The Browns are just running four or five wides and are trying to run their receivers down the field. The problem is, is you don't have an offensive line that's that has the ability to hold up in protection. Yeah, I think at one point last night you asked, how come the Browns aren't, aren't going for any deep throws? I think it was just that, that they... Probably plan to, but their their right. offensive line is just not equipped to hold out. Right, uh, maybe the best D line in football. Right, and you know when I when I what I mean by deep throws, I'm not talking about running, having four wide and just running them straight, you know, down there like straight down the field. You know, I'm talking about you know double moves, hitch and go, um, you know, just plays where. You can kind of get the DBs crossed up where you'd have uh, receivers running across from each other, get DBs uh, crossed up and find somebody open, you know, maybe 20 yards down the field. You know, a lot, a lot of the plays they were running were uh, quick hitters, uh, snap the ball, get it out, and get it out to the side or quick slants or stuff like that. And that worked against, uh, against the Jets because the Jets are terrible. And uh, they decided on one play just to not cover Odell Beckham. And he went for 90 yards and a touchdown on a quick slant. But uh, the Rams are a little bit better than the Jets. So you needed to run something a little bit more um, complex to be able to get guys open. And, and and it's also a case, I don't think that they're not getting guys open. I think that uh, there's, just, there's just a trust and almost a confusion that's making Baker look almost skittish out there when he's playing. He just doesn't trust his own line. You know the Browns. They were fa- the Rams were running cover two for most of the night. Um, really, the fa- and when again when they went to those run pass option plays, most of those were slant routes. You know, heading toward the middle, they were very successful. I- I'm just surprised that they didn't inc- try to incorporate the tight end more, you know, running seam routes and and get working that middle of the field. Yeah, it um, was weird. It, it it was really weird. Um, you know, they it, it's almost like they did that like one drive out of the game, and that was the one drive when they were most successful, just going right down the field. Yeah. I mean, they scored 13 points last night. Three of them were because of a turnover, and they literally didn't move the ball, and they kicked a field goal right before the half. Um, you know, and and the 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 RPOs that you're talking about were were on the touchdown drive. They were right down went right down the field. So. It's it's really interesting. And, you know, credit Freddie Kitchens after the game. He took full responsibility. He said, put it on me. Put it put the blame on me. i got to put the players in better positions to be successful. And while that's true, he's now said that for three straight games. So 
there's no more saying that from Freddie. That, that that's done. That's over. Now it's time for them to actually put them in the better, uh, better positions to be able to make plays. You know, I just hope that Freddie and his staff have been playing this sort of vanilla theme up to this point because they have something big planned and. If they have it, they need to unleash it this coming Sunday in Baltimore because this is honestly... Oh, absolutely. This is almost game of the season here because you look at the AFC North standings, Steelers don't have a win. Right. Bengals don't have a win. Well, yeah. Nobody's going to really run away with this thing unless if you know Baltimore were to get hot, but you have a chance to directly hurt them right here. You you actually, at 2-2, two and two, you could be in first place still if you just go ahead and win this game coming Sunday. So you lose your two, point, your two games behind. So, big stakes coming up here. Yeah, I mean, with it, with it, with as uh, depressing as being one and two right now is, uh, you have an opportunity to be first place in your division next week with a win. And it's not going to be easy. I mean, oh, no. Bank Stadium is not a place where the Browns have historically done well. Oh but, God, it's been a house but, of horrors. Um, I mean, as statistically, Heinz Field. But well, uh, yeah, this year hopefully that streak's coming to an end. But yeah. we'll discuss that at a later date. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I. I think it's a winnable game this week. Uh, you know, we'll see. I, I still, I, I know that they played Kansas City tough this week, but I'm still just not a believer in the Ravens. I, I'm not. I, you know, nothing against Lamar Jackson. I think he's played well so far. I, just, I just don't think he's a very good quarterback, to be honest with you. I mean, there's one that he. You know, you see the on the highlights and the tweets and all this about how oh I can't you know he did that. Uh, the plays that we're talking about him being uber successful are, are plays where he's basically just throwing the ball up in the air and playing jackpot with his receivers and the DBs, and his receivers are coming and down with the ball. And that's exactly what was happening. I actually saw some of the, the end part of the, the Chiefs-Ravens game yesterday, yeah. and that happened on two occasions, one of which was on fourth down. How about the one where he, uh, he scrambled out right, didn't find anything, and then looked over. He had a receiver to the left, even though he was covered, he just decided to throw the ball 50 yards back across the field for a, essentially just a five-yard gain, and the receiver just came down with the ball. I know like, exactly the play you're talking about. I yeah. can't believe the DB didn't pick that ball off. Oh, I mean, all of a sudden, like it's like instead of having moon boots, he, like, he had iron boots on from The Legend of Zelda. Like, he Kansas, couldn't jump. <laughs> Kansas City's a great team. They have terrible defensive backs. They're yeah. horrific. Now that's not really news to anybody who follows yeah. the Chiefs or, or the league in general. But, right. Uh, I, you know the the Ravens have beaten two really crappy teams. They've 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 lost to one really good team. The, the difference right now for the Browns is that they they have a loss against a mediocre team. And that right. honestly, if you look at this one and two, I'm not really bent out of shape over last night. Yeah, you're four yards away. If they score the touchdown, you know, then it becomes okay. Do you go for the two point conversion or do you play for overtime? We didn't. Unfortunately, get to that discussion, which I honestly, when you get first, to that's go on what the floor, I. That's you what really should have. That's what we should be talking about. That's right what now. I hope we would be. Even if even if we didn't get it and we lost, that's what I hope we'd be talking about because we're gonna get into it. We're gonna get into number one a little bit later. We're gonna get into the uh, uh, one of the most ridiculous play calls in the history of the NFL is running a draw play on fourth and nine from the your, from the opponent's forty. Uh, with hot key for that? With about ten, with about ten minutes, uh, to go in the game, and then the second is the sequence of plays once the Browns got first and goal at the four yard line, uh, that essentially ended the game, uh, with the three incompletions and then the interception in the end zone. 
So we're going to talk about all that. But uh, what I what I kind of wanted to say before that was you had mentioned how you don't at one and two you know you don't feel too bad about uh, losing a game yesterday. I would feel the same way, and I and I think everybody else in Cleveland and Browns fans would feel the same way is if they didn't lay that egg on opening week week. Yeah. If the Browns were two and zero going into Sunday night, and they played the Rams really tough, and the Rams, you know, eked out a win like they did last night, you know, we're sitting at two and one, we're tied with the Ravens, uh, you just you just lost to the defending NFC champion, you know, all is still well. Yeah, and no big deal. You're two and one, and your one loss is against from the opposite conference. I mean, you're two and zero against AFC, so you know you're. Tiebreakers and everything. I mean, it's way too early to think about that, but you know, you'd rather lose to teams from the other conference if you have to lose. Right. But uh, yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, I still feel to a large degree people have this bad taste in their mouth from week one, and it's it's only gotten worse because the Titans have now lost to Indianapolis and Jacksonville, two other teams that are not that great. So, right now, yeah, I, uh, I. I, I totally agree. I just I, I think I think we would feel way different about last night's game if uh, we didn't lay that complete stink job on opening weekend. You gotta start winning at home. You're not yeah. gonna make the playoffs by. I mean, in very rare circumstances, you could go 500 at home and make the playoffs if you're like nine, seven, or ten, six wins a division or gets a wild card. But you're zero two at home. There's probably not too many playoff teams out there over the course of history that started 0-2 at home and made the playoffs. No, not at all. And uh, I'll tell you, the the uh, schedule makers didn't do the Browns any favors for a team that has now gotten off to a slow start. Because if you look at the Browns' next, well, four games, at Baltimore, at San Francisco, who before the season we didn't really consider that to be too tough a game, but they're three and zero. I still don't think the Niners are any good. They haven't played anybody. But well, that that that's beside true. Beside the point, that's true. Um, then I think what is it? Yeah, Seattle at home. Seattle home. Then, then you have a bye week. New England away. And then New England away. Yes. And then you're at De- Denver. So four of the next five games are on the road. You know, Denver stinks, but maybe, maybe that's a good thing the way they've played at home so far. True. I don't know. True. Duh. But yeah, uh, four out of the next five. You're one and two. Four out of the next fives on the road against uh, predominantly good teams. Yeah, the next two teams that the Browns play at home, by the way, Seattle, like you just mentioned, who's two and one, and Buffalo, who's three and zero. Which yeah. again, like San Francisco, Buffalo's played nobody either, so we don't right. know if they're any good yet. We'll find out this week because they play the Patriots. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how the Browns. Uh, you know, react to this loss. Um, like I said, I don't want to hear uh, Freddie Kitchens. It's my fault. Got to put the players uh, in better positions. Well, if you're not going to do it now, when are you going to do it? So it's time to start putting the players in better positions to make plays, and not calling stupid uh, play calls like running a draw play on fourth and nine. I could not believe they did that last night. Neither can I, and I don't think anybody else I, can either. I, I know, I know. You and I were kind of were, were were in disagreement on whether they should go for it or whether they should, or whether they should punt. I thought they should yeah. punt because yeah, was, we were because there was still ten minutes left in the game, and you could have pinned them deep. And uh, you thought they should go for it, which you know 
might have been a okay move. And when they came out with the offense back on the field on fourth down, I'm like, all right, here we go. Let's see what they got. And then they run an effing draw play. <coughs> yeah, my thought process behind it was I thought you needed multiple scores to, to win the game. And as it turns out, maybe we didn't. Maybe this touchdown, the two-point conversion at the end of the game would have gotten it done. So, I mean, that stretch, I hate punting the ball on your own side of the field, especially when you're down at the opposing 40. But, yeah. uh, you know, maybe that was the right call there. But if you go for it, you got to run a play that at least has a chance to succeed. Like, Right. I get the point. Okay, so the I obviously the thought process here was, okay, they're going to put six DBs in. They're thinking pass. Okay, let's hit them with a surprise drop play. You you can do that on third and nine. Just, yeah, it, it almost you led cannot... some people to believe, like, did they not know that, that the down was fourth down? Because earlier in that sequence, there was a— Literally right before. There was a— play that was challengeable that the Browns elected not to challenge, right. which would have given them a down back. Right. Um, and Freddie Kitchen said that uh, after the game, he said, well, uh, the ref told me that if we challenged it and won it, that uh, L.A. would just uh, accept the penalty that was against us, and, and you know, they would they would redo the not. Well, yeah, it would be second down, not third down. That was totally worth the challenge. It was. Totally. You had all three of your timeouts at the time. I mean, right. I, I, Right, absolutely, and it was and it was blatant pass interference. I mean, it you know, uh, this is the play along the right sideline where they just pushed the guy yes. out of bounds. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that was ridiculous. I can't believe they didn't throw a flag on the field for that. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's another thing. The officiating in the NFL is just egregiously bad. Okay, Tom Brady. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. You know, we talked about that, and now the Browns were able to turn over the Rams later in the quarter, and they they drive down. Baker finally, you know, two time, two times in a row, he actually stepped up into the pocket and delivered really good balls uh, to Jarvis Landry, and I, I, I don't remember who caught the other one. It might have been Ratley. But uh, but they got down to the four. They got the they finally called uh, roughing the passer on Baker. The, the, the third time they hit him in the face, they actually called it. Um, so that put the Browns down to first and goal at the, at the four. And I've been thinking about this. I, I've I've heard everybody on the radio today kill the Browns for not running the ball there first and four. Um, if, you, if you remember earlier in the game. I don't know how I feel about that because I, that's not a guarantee that that's going to work. Right. I, 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 can, I can hear maybe on first down. You know, thinking you know the Browns are gonna you know maybe you pop them pop them for one and, and you're able to you know get in there. For me, I think back to back in the first half when the Browns had first and goal at the eight yard line and they ran it on first and second down and they got nowhere. They got like two yards or something. It was like third down goal. So I, I wonder if that went into their thought process when calling plays down there. Like, hey, we already tried this and we tried running the ball and we couldn't get anything. But I I, I do think that on first down because because. Number one, you knew it was four down territory, so you have four plays from the four-yard line. Time's not an issue because you have all three of your timeouts. So why not, on first down, try and run the ball? See if you can sneak it in there. Yeah, first down even or if second you get, down. Cause, yeah, because even if you get stuffed, you have three other chances. Yeah. If I were to call a sequence of plays, I probably would have like tried to bootleg or go or go play action on first down. Yeah. I probably would have run it on second. 
but you know may, maybe god maybe he gets sacked on first down changes the down and distance but assuming it was the same i probably would have run on second down maybe if, if you're inside the two maybe you go and run it again on third down but uh for them to go four plays in a row is was kind of surprising yeah um i just the fact that one of the plays didn't work is even more surprising yeah that's that's an indictment of just the execution not being proper well yeah uh third down uh watching watching it back over again third down baker just flat out missed jarvis landry he beat he beat his guy inside for a slant uh middle of the field was wide open and uh baker just missed him he ended up throwing it to the back of the end zone trying to hit demetrius harris um so and Baker said it after the game. He's like he's gonna have recurring nightmares about that one because that's the mm. one. That's the one. That's the one that he should have hit. Um, mm. On that same play, they uh, they had Odell Beckham Jr. bracketed, but coming out of the break, Odell juked the first guy out of his shoes so bad that he fell over. So Odell had one on one coverage with a safety. So but Baker wasn't really looking to the left side of the field, which. That was another thing that that bothered me throughout that four down sequence. You have arguably the best, the bet, the most talented wide receiver in football, and you didn't look towards him once on those four plays. Yeah, if you're gonna pass the ball four times in a row, I, at, you you would think you would think at it, least at least one of those this, times, Odell would would be the primary target. This is why I don't understand NFL head coaches and and offensive coordinators. They are, these are some of the most hardworking people that you'll find in the entire... Well, I mean, I'm not saying their job is more important than, like, firefighters or police right. or, or you, know, you know, first responders or anything like that. But... There's more money involved. They are... There's more <laughs> money involved, obviously. And they're there. They're, they're running buku hours. Yeah. You know, trying to scheme and game plan and figure out how to put their players in the best position to succeed, which is what Kitchen said he didn't do this week. You know, some but yet some things like this are just so obvious. Like, okay, if you're not gonna run the ball with Nick Chubb, who had nearly a hundred yards rushing on twenty three carries up to that point. Yep. Um, you've got an all pro receiver there. Like, if you're gonna throw four times, I figure at least two of those balls should be going his way. Right. Right. <sighs> yeah, I didn't understand that. I really didn't. I, like, like I said at the beginning. There's just so much of the Browns' offense that looks, uh, you know, out of sync. Um, there's no flow. It's just, it's just weird. And to go back to that fourth, that fourth and nine play, you know, the Browns, like you said, the Browns' most successful um, passing was those RPO plays, and a lot of them were those quick slants that early in the game were going for 12, 13 yards. Why don't, why didn't they run one of those on fourth and nine? I don't know. It it seemed to me like the, a lot of the offense we were running to last night was very similar to what I've watched the Eagles run for the last couple of years, um, especially when they've had Nick Foles in. Uh, a lot of those run-pass option plays, and then uh, it seemed like the the big difference is, is that the Eagles' offensive line is just better, and they're they're able to protect for a lot of these deep routes. That's the thing. That's the thing. The, the only way this offense that they're trying to run this year, which is this uh, – which is this running gun, um, you know, these deep developing plays, passing plays, you have to be able to hold up in protection. And the Browns can't do it right now. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that, that it's all the offensive line's fault because there are times where Baker has a clean pocket and he's just 
hitting the eject button, and he's scrambling out to the right. But if you're gonna run, if if you're gonna run four verts on third down from your own five yard line in the third or fourth quarter, I can't remember. You have to be able to protect, and you you have to have the confidence in your quarterback that that he. You have to have a quarterback that has confidence in the offensive line to say, all right, these guys are going to hold up. I'm going to stay here in the pocket, and I'm going to let this play develop. That's not happening right now. Yeah. Baker doesn't trust the O-line. You know, I'll tell you, the Browns lost this game for one really big reason, and it's been something that has been haunting the team for the better part of the last two decades now. When the defense is playing well and they are holding the team to like under 20 points or less and they're doing it especially by the way of getting after the ball, getting after the quarterback, forcing turnovers. Yep. What did the Browns do on those three occasions where they got the ball off a turnover? You mentioned it once already tonight. They got three points off of a, a where they got... I think they got a fumble return down to the 25 or so. They didn't yep. really do much of anything yep. with it. They got they kicked a field goal. Yep. The other two times they took over, I think once was right at midfield, and then another time was just outside midfield. Those are positions. Those are good starting positions on the field. You've got to do something when you get into those situations, and the Browns are not doing that. Agreed. Absolutely it, agreed. They didn't do that last night. Um, I mean, they had a little more success with that against the Jets, but, I mean, it's just agonizing to see the defense play well, get their offense, set them up in great positions like that, and they just are not doing anything. But, you know, you put one of those drives into the end zone, it's a different ballgame. Yep. Totally agree. Totally agree. And, and you hit it right on the head. The Browns historically have been terrible when they get turnovers, trying to convert those into points. Horrible. Three turnovers and you only got three points off it. That's just not winning it's, football. It's unacceptable. You can't do it. and it's, You can't do it. You can do that if you're playing the Jets. Yeah, you, if they get down to a third-string quarterback and they, they, they... You can't do that when you're playing teams like the Rams. You just can't. No. If your defense is playing that well, forcing turnovers, they for and I, and I said it before the game. I said Goff is not the same quarterback when he plays on the road. He turns the ball over all the time. What do you do? He turned the ball over three times last night, and we got three points out of him. Only because the st- only because on uh, the first turnover, which is the Miles My- Garrett strip sack, the ball was returned all the way to get them already into field goal position. If if that if that fumble recovery would have been recovered at like midfield and they didn't re- uh, return it at all, we wouldn't have scored any points. Been punting the ball. Yeah. Well. Because kind of the last word here, you you mentioned the schedule earlier. The Browns have to be better. They just have to survive the next four games. Honestly, you got at Baltimore, at San Francisco, Seattle, and at New England. They just got to survive to get to November because the stretch beginning November third in Denver. They only the next six games. They only play one team that yes. currently has a win. Yes, Cardinals. Bengals, Steelers, Dolphins, Broncos are all winless. Yes. They're, you're one and two right now. I know some people are still going to be belly aching if the team is three and four after seven games, but that's honestly what they have to shoot for. 
They have to try to split these next oh, four games. If, if the, and they get to three and four. You could easily be nine and five after yes. after fourteen games. That's just absolutely. They gotta survive this stretch. If if the Browns are three and four after seven games, I'm I'm extremely optimistic. Extremely. And that I know that sounds weird because you know we were going into the end of the season thinking that the Browns could win 10, 11 games. So you think three and four at, at almost the midway point in the season, you're like, well, that doesn't sound very good. Look at the second half of the schedule for the Browns compared to the first half. Yeah. If you're three and four, then uh, you better be expecting to win six out of the last eight at least. I had the Browns at 11-5 and five at the start of the season. They're a game behind that projection because they lost to Tennessee. Yeah, it's 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 the beginning. And so, yeah, if, I mean, if the Browns, I mean, who knows? You know, they could, I, I'm, I'm, I probably put the po- probability of this happening about 5%, but who the Browns have enough talent on their roster to where they could go into Foxborough and beat New England. If New England has an off day. I mean, yes. That's, I mean, because, again, how much better is New England than L.A. Rams? 10 points according to Super Bowl 53. Right. But playing yeah. on the road is harder than playing at home. I mean, oh, playing maybe, in Foxborough maybe, is almost impossible. Maybe not for the Browns this year. I don't know about that. I'm just saying it's possible. But, 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 or, or if it's, you know, let's say, or if it's. We could have a repeat of the nice throw Tom game from nine years ago. Right. I but, mean, that, but, but, or, you know, what if it's, what if it's winning this Sunday? You know, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying like, Getting a game back that maybe you think that the Browns probably are going to lose, that puts you back on track to what your prediction is. Because right now, they're one game off of your projection. Because and and same with me, I had them at eleven and five and winning the division as well. So you they know, can actually get back on projection this week because I had them losing in Baltimore. Right. So. Right. And I'm guessing you're going to hold to that prediction. <laughs> maybe we'll discuss that by the end of the show. Yeah. Uh, well, that that uh, there's only one other thing that I really wanted to touch on before we wrap up, and uh, I posted a poll today on the LTL uh, socials. Um, who are you more concerned with uh, so far in the Brown season, Baker Mayfield or Freddie Kitchens? Definitely Freddie Kitchens, without a doubt. Just not only the fact that the offense isn't performing all that great, defense had a really awful game in Week One. They've been much better since, which is good to see. But the one thing that alarms me even more toward the coaching staff is the penalties. They're first in the league in penalties right now, yeah. and that is just not good at all. So Twitter, um, Twitter had it sixty-one uh, percent to twenty-eight uh, percent, and then they also voted eleven percent for the offensive line play. But, but it's basically too. it's basically a two-to-one margin on Twitter. Uh, Freddie Kitchens to Baker Mayfield. Facebook was even more. Facebook, 89% uh, said Freddie Kitchens, 11% said Baker Mayfield. Yeah, so, I'm not surprised. I, I just, yeah, I, I totally agree with you, uh, and I agree with uh, our voters. Man, Fred even said it himself. Yeah, well, of course, I mean, he's not going to throw his players under the bus. I mean, he'd be digging his own grave if he started to do that. Yeah. Um, he's not Hugh Jackson, thank you. No. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, you got to look at the head coach. I mean, it's first time, first year head coach, uh, he, and and he's calling the plays on offense. He just looks a little in over his head. Now, they he could turn it around. He could find a rhythm in calling plays, much like he did last year when he took over the play calling uh, duties. 
but it is a little alarming. It's a little concerning. And, you know, that's just kind of what we wanted to to hear. Um, so, you know, before we wrap up, let's just look for, look forward towards Sunday. Um, I know I'm going to talk about it a little bit more on uh, LOTL this week. Um, check that out on uh, Friday. But uh, what are we thinking on Sunday? Uh, Ravens come off a, a road loss at Kansas City. Their two wins are against uh, two winless teams. And uh, they for the, for the majority of the game against Kansas City, they were getting beaten pretty badly. Uh, they made a little bit of a game of it at the end, but um, what do you think for uh, for Sunday at Baltimore? I mean, this is the ultimate show-me game for the Browns. It's a huge divisional encounter, obviously. Um, I actually think this game is going to be a much higher scoring game than most people anticipate. I think the Browns' offense will show some new wrinkles. I think they will come out, and they will play better than they have the last couple games. I don't know why I'm feeling this way, but I feel like the defense is going to shit the bed. Yeah. And I, I'm going with I'm going with Baltimore to win the game. That, that's interesting. To, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see how we deal with Lamar Jackson running the ball. That's going to be the big thing. We struggled with it last year when we played them in Baltimore um, in the first half, and then kind of corralled them a little bit in the second half. Um, I agree with you that I think the Browns' offense is going to come alive a little bit. I think they're finally starting to realize that. Uh, they need to run to set up the pass. Uh, Nick Chubb got 23 carries yesterday. I think you might see that number increase to 25-27, and I think he's going to have a lot of success just because I think Nick Chubb's that good. Um, and I think I, I think they get back to uh, calling calling the offense more so like they did last year. And uh, I think I think Freddie gets into a little bit of a groove on offense, and. Uh, I just think they're going to be sick and tired of people telling them how bad they are, which is what they're doing right now. I mean, Rex Ryan is going on Get Up this morning on ESPN saying that Baker's overrated as hell. I think that's ridiculous. I don't think he's watching the Browns games. Hmm. Um, I'm going to call it Browns victory. I think the Browns are going to win. I think they're going to go to 2-2. Two and two, And uh, most mostly because... In my mind, I think they have to win this game or else they're going to dig themselves way too big of a hole to, to get out of with the upcoming schedule in the next four or five weeks. Now, I certainly hope that we come next week at this time are in your reality and not mine. <laughs> so, yeah. So that uh, that's that's pretty much going to do it here for us. Uh, Steve, thanks for opening your home for the uh, post-game show. Appreciate the hospitality. Champ does as well. He's laying comfortably on the on the floor here. Um, it's nice suede carpet. It's yeah. like the nicest carpet we have in the house. The That's upstairs right. is is terrible by comparison. <laughs> uh, but anyway, thanks for uh, thanks for checking us out. Uh, you can uh, follow LOTL on uh, social media at the LOTL podcast. You can check out our website lotlpodcast.com. Uh, check out Steve's latest uh, blog post on our website uh, talking about. Major League Baseball and his predictions for the playoffs and the pennant races. Um, got a uh, big last week of the season for baseball. Massive. Absolutely. And uh, really the next three games I think are really, really crucial for the Indians because Tampa is playing against Boston and New York the next few days, yep. while was, whereas the Indians are playing Chicago. The Indians are actually going to luck out here, I think, just if I could just talk for just a second. Yep. They play the Nationals. 
in the last week, but the Nationals are now four games clear in the NL wildcard race. They may be more concerned with setting up their rotation and, and resting some key guys before the NL wildcard game. So they may not be busting it in the last series. That could be really important. I, I still absolutely hate the fact that the Indians have to end the year in interleague play. How ridiculous is that? It is a little strange, but you got to have at least two teams playing interleague every game of the season. So, and yeah. it is what it is. So, Sucks that Fran Mill Reyes is going to be out of the lineup for those three games, though. Well, no, they'll put him in the outfield. Somebody, you can't, if you don't play him. If you he can't plays, take, then somebody else has got to come out. Yeah, you can't take his bat out of the out of the lineup. They'll take whoever plays left field, Luplo or or Greg Allen or whoever. I mean, really, you're going to put Fran Mill Reyes in the outfield. Without a doubt, you're not you're not taking forty home runs out of the out of the lineup. But Jose Ramirez is coming back tomorrow. What a unbelievable! unbelievable. Yeah, seriously. <coughs> so these guys have some recovery powers. These some of these guys on the guy the team like Carrasco and you know what's interesting now Ramirez, is, is now over the last few years the Indians probably have more injuries. Clevenger too. More injuries than any other major league baseball team. Oh yeah. But for whatever reason. The majority of their guys come back from their injuries before the projection. I don't know if that's because their training staff is just doing otherworldly work, or I have no idea. Or they're just either that, or they're lying to us about the 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 injury projection and how long they're going to be out. You know the the whole uh, the whole uh, uh, undersell overperform or whatever. Yeah, and most teams don't do that when it comes to their injury reports. So yeah. if that's what's going on, all the better. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we appreciate you listening uh, at the LOTL podcast, lotlpodcast.com. Check us out there. Thanks for listening on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts. And uh, check us out on LOTL. This will be episode 76 coming up, recording Thursday evening. Uh, We'll be out Friday morning. So for uh, Steve and uh, Champ on the floor here, uh, I'm Dan from LOTL, and uh, we will catch you guys Next week on the Deerfield Gridiron Browns postgame show. See ya. It's over.